every corner of the digital universe. QCAT instant link to the internet. Amstrad emailer, E3 video phone. Technology called eye smell. Smelling mold and mildew and animals. Man, I got to smell the swamp today. Welcome to Watercooled Potato, your guide to the obsolete and absurd tech of the past, present, and future. I'm John. I'm Kevin. And today's topic is DivX, which is somewhat similar to FlexPlay, although this actually came first. In fact, I stumbled upon this gem while researching FlexPlay. Hmm. So if you don't already know about FlexPlay, listen to episode 5. In short, it's basically a self-destructing DVD. <laughs> so, back to DivX. Let's set the scene. It's 1998. The video rental business is booming, and DivX, which stands for Digital Video Express, is hoping to revolutionize video rental. Rentals are too complicated and expensive, right? What if you could buy a disc for $4.49 and watch it as many times as you want within 48 hours? And of course, returning rentals is too hard, <laughs> so you don't have to return it either. Yay. Yes. Sounds a lot like FlexPlay, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. The technology behind DivX is much different. So here's how it works. DivX discs are almost identical to regular DVDs. They have a barcode around the center of the disc, just into the silver, just past the clear part around the center hole. This in itself isn't unique to DivX. Other discs have barcodes here too. In fact, if you've ever looked closely at a DVD, you may have noticed these. It's used to add extra information to the disc. This can be manufacturing information, serial numbers, whatever. In this case, DivX used this barcode to give each disk a unique identification number. The data on the disk, so the video, is highly encrypted, at least for the time. Mm -hmm. It used triple DES encryption along with several other protection methods. In order to play your shiny new DivX disk, you'd need to purchase a DivX compatible DVD player. Oh. One of the things that made DivX players special was the dial-up modem inside the machine. That's right. You need to plug a phone line into your DVD player. So it can connect to the servers, and this is 1998, so of course modems are still around. Yep. So now when you place your DivX disc in the player, it will read the unique identifier on the barcode, and then connect to DivX servers to register your disc. Once registered, the decryption key for that disk will be sent to the player, and you can watch it as many times as you want, within 48 hours. After your 48 hours are up, the server lists that disk as deactivated, and your player deletes the key. But what if you want to watch the movie again? Don't worry, DivX has you covered. You can add an additional 48 hours of viewing for just $3.25. That's a whole $1.24 cheaper than the original purchase price of the disc. What a bargain! You would still be paying on top of the $4.99 you already paid, though. And in order to do that, you have to set up a DivX account. And you'll be billed directly to your credit card. How convenient. 
Oh. Smart. <laughs> but what if you'd rather just own the movie and not have to keep paying for another 48 hours every time you want to watch it? DivX has an answer to that, too. For just $15, you can upgrade your disc, which you already paid $4.5 for, to DivX Silver, which gives you unlimited lifetime plays, but only on your machine. DivX promised a gold level that would certainly cost more and allow your disc to be played on any DivX machine. However, that never happened. The initial trial run began on June 8th of 1998. It was limited to San Francisco and Richmond, California. There were only 19 movies and one model of player. Apparently, the trial was a success because just over three months later, on September 25th of that year, DivX launched nationally. The library of movies expanded to 150, mm. and nearly 200 stores carried DivX discs. 87,000 players were sold. 87,000. Yes, players were manufactured by several well-known manufacturers like RCA and Zenith. Wow. They drew people in with the promise of no returns, no late fees. And although you could throw out your DivX disc, some sale locations had a recycle bin to, you know, return your no return disc. <laughs> Sounds familiar again. <laughs> this was before FlexPlay. Yeah, so it kind of sounds like either FlexPlay copied nearly everything that DivX did, or mm -hmm. you just end up with the same problems and the same solutions whenever you try this. But with FlexPlay, you don't need to hook it up to the internet, and you can just use your DVD player at home. Mm, much better. Right. Now, <laughs> this part is just speculation, but I wouldn't be too shocked if they were able to just repackage the returned discs and sell them again, because all they would have to do, assuming that the discs aren't scratched, is just scan the barcode and reactivate it so that next time it comes up, their server will allow it to be played. Why didn't they do that? I don't know whether they did or not, but I wouldn't be surprised if they did whole point was kind of you don't have to return it but then that recreates waste but then you can recycle it or you might as well just re possibly reuse it if you're just going to recycle it anyway and it doesn't disintegrate yeah so there's some problems so for one thing at first a divx compatible dvd player would cost about double what a normal DVD player cost. Double? And DVD players weren't cheap in the late 90s. Nope. Eventually, after enough were produced, the price came down. But initially, paying double for a DVD player wasn't really something that most people would want to do. Yeah, just... <laughs> but by March 1999, Around 420 titles were available in the DivX format. 
Wow. This is around the time that the internet started to freak out. <laughs> Forums were full of people concerned that DivX, the nightmare DRM scheme, would take over and crush regular DVD. And that was actually a slightly valid concern because hmm. a study later suggested that DivX slowed the adoption of DVD. Others were unhappy that DivX was only available in 4 by 3 aspect ratio. Ooh. So <laughs> you can't view it on a widescreen, or if you want to, you'll have giant black bars to the left and right. Mm -hmm. There were a few exclusive releases on DivX, so something would come Ooh. out on only DivX and not DVD. This got people worried because yeah, I would be too. Nobody, <laughs> nobody wanted their only option. Well, most people didn't want their only option to be this nightmare, milk you for every penny they can get scheme. Yeah. So that uh, generated some controversy there, mm -hmm. and people were also concerned about exactly what kind of data the DivX machines were sending Ooh. back to company servers. Mm -hmm. Security. And since you had an account that uniquely identified you and oh. your disks, they knew exactly who you were, where you lived due to the billing information, and what you watch. So imagine what they could do with that information. Wow. As far as I know, they didn't do anything but, you know, what a coincidence that you got a flyer in the mail for some movie. Hmm. Recommendations. <laughs> right. I mean, Netflix pretty much does the same thing now. It tracks all your devices, your IP address, your billing address, all the different things you watch. Like some of my friends, they watch everything, so everything's recommended to them for some reason. <laughs> hmm. Anyway, amid all these concerns and the fact that not that many people really wanted DivX, it was eventually discontinued on June 16th, 1999 just over a year from its initial trial launch. Wait, FlexPlay was like four years, wasn't it? It was something like that, I don't remember. FlexPlay came back multiple times. Yeah, it came back. Over and... the course of like... Yeah. I think it was almost... I don't remember. Anyway, the shutdown was also partly due to the enormous cost of development. Oh. And mm -hmm. Circuit City, which was one of the large investors and one of the retailers that sold the machines and discs, said that they lost $114 million and Variety, some kind of magazine, I'm not sure, estimated a total loss of $337 million. Okay, it's not billions, but still quite a bit of money for a company. Yes. Now, remember how the players have to phone home, literally, mm -hmm. to the server? Well, what happens when those servers go away? 
then you won't be able to watch your movies at all. So according to DivX, this is their statement when they announced the shutdown. Oh no. All DivX featured DVD players are fully functional DVD players and will continue to operate as such. All DivX discs, including those previously purchased by consumers and those remaining in retailer inventories, can be viewed on registered players anytime between now and June 30th, 2001. Subsequent viewings will also be available during that period. Discs can no longer be upgraded to unlimited viewing, known as DivX Silver. Customers who have converted discs to DivX Silver can continue viewing the discs until June 30th, 2001, or can receive a full refund of the conversion price at their request. And apparently, stores began dumping their remaining discs for prices as low as 99 cents a piece. Yeah. So <laughs> during those two years when DivX was being phased out, if you could get your hands on a cheap DivX player and some clearance discs, you could watch movies for 99 cents a piece. Oh, in 2001, that was really also, good. Because, tw- wow. I just... Because 20 years later, we have sometimes, if you use a coupon, 99 cent rentals. And that's with them. Wow. And it's just occurred to me that if you got the movie for 99 cents on clearance would be over three times as expensive to renew it for another 48 hours <laughs> than it would be to just go buy another disc. Oh my gosh, that's funny. It, hmm. Assuming there's some still available, of course. Right. And if you somehow manage to get your hands on a DivX disc today and put it into a normal DVD player, you'll just be met with a screen telling you that this disc only works in a DivX machine. Go get one. What? And if you were to go get one, it wouldn't work because the servers are long gone. Yay. So the thousands or hundreds of thousands of discs that were produced for the DivX format are now completely useless. And as far as I know, no one ever managed to break the encryption, probably because nobody cared enough to try. Yeah, even nowadays with all of our new encryption and way more powerful computers, I don't think anybody would really bother because you can just rent on Netflix or whatever. Yeah, I think if anyone were to do it today, it would just be kind of to see if they could. That's my guess as well. And after the DivX format was discontinued, all of the manufacturers of these DivX machines were left with a bunch of parts for DivX machines that nobody would buy. So to solve that problem, they just removed the extra DivX components and sold the rest of their remaining stock as regular DVD players under different model numbers. Interesting. And according to a video I watched where someone took one apart, the only difference is a couple of missing boards or blank boards. So like the board for the modem is completely blank, Mm -hmm. but still there. It might have had a couple components. And one board that I think 
was supposed to have something to do with the encryption was not there at all. Okay. And at least you could still watch regular DVDs on your stupidly expensive DivX player. Do you know what the price was? I'm seeing something here that says might cost you 100 to $150 more than a regular DVD player. And DVDs in 1999, 2000 were how much? No idea, but not cheap. Nowadays, they're like around 50 to 100 bucks. Well, 100 bucks is more like a Blu-ray player. Yeah. Hmm. This says there were 200,000 DivX players sold to customers. How much? Uh, 200,000 players sold. 200,000? Um, I mean, yeah, they launched nationally, but I don't, my guess would be not that much. Yeah, the other thing I saw was like 87,000, but I don't know exactly like by when. The first DVD audio players were released in Japan by Pioneer in late 1999, but they did not play copy protected discs. Matsushita under the Panasonic and Technics labels first released fully-fledged players in July 2000 for $700 to $1,200. That was when the technology was new, though, right? Well, yeah, but that was in... This was in 1998, and this is talking about 1999. What? Sorry, I'm just confused. Because... Me too. Because I was born in 1999, so that doesn't help. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a forum where someone's asking, will DVD replace VHS? Uh, yes. I can confirm that, because I'm from the future. Okay. In that forum, they're mentioning something about an $800 DVD player, and this is from 2000, so... Hmm. Uh, okay, let's go back to where we were. So, according to Google, around that time, a standard DVD player costs around $800, which is quite a bit but that's probably because DVD was new at the time. And somewhere else I saw that uh, DivX players, DivX compatible players, would cost like 150 bucks more than a normal player. Oh. I'm assuming that's once they came down from their all-time high of like double the price of a normal player. That would mean that at one point a DivX player would cost you like 1600 bucks. Whoa. And that's not even adjusted for inflation. L let me figure out adjusted for inflation. Uh, what year? 99? Or, well, it might have been 98 if it was toward the beginning. Let's just try, like... So, according to an online inflation calculator, $1,600 will be equivalent of $2,402 in today's money. That can buy you wow. a, a big 4K TV. <laughs> and a few months subscription to Netflix. Ooh, yes, don't forget that. Of course, you need to have a decent internet connection, which will cost you something also, but still. The cost per movie nowadays is so much lower. Although not everything is on Netflix. Yeah, like Doctor Who. Or anything that's come out in the past five years except for the occasional one that may be an exaggeration i don't know i haven't used netflix for a while i almost never use netflix so <laughs> i don't have a netflix account i don't either not anymore divx also appeared as an 
honorable mention in PC World Magazine's list of 25 worst tech products of all time. 25? I believe QCAT was on that list as well. Ooh. Do you remember the ranking? Um, of QCAT? I don't know. This one is an honorable mention, so oh. not, doesn't have a ranking. It, it didn't even get to 25? Okay. Yeah, I guess it's not bad enough to be number 25. It, Wait, it falls so what lower. was FlexPlay? I have no idea. So DivX has their own players. It's encrypted. Pricing is pretty similar to FlexPlay, except they don't disintegrate, and you don't have to return it, but then you can also recycle it. Right. Overall, I think DivX was probably better. I mean, as far as, like, actually being likely to work well. What do you mean by work well? Well, I guess as far as the business model goes, I think it was better because... Or, well, potentially better because they can keep getting money out of you after the initial purchase and i'm sure they make something when you buy the machine because there's got to be mm. some licensing involved mm -hmm. there so they make some money when you purchase the machine they make some money when you buy the disc and then they make money again later if you want to watch the disc again true but unlike FlexPlay, they didn't have like any deals with disney or staples right they did have way more movies available than FlexPlay oh, ever did. Oh, you're right. They got up to like 420 movies, and I don't wow. think FlexPlay... I think FlexPlay... Maybe over 100? I don't remember. I, I don't think FlexPlay even had 100. So I, I hate the whole idea, but I think DivX was probably the better of the two. Yeah. Assuming Netflix not in the picture, because it wasn't. Yeah. Right. Just have it encrypted and then decrypted. Yeah, that's how I would think of doing it. I wouldn't actually start that business, but that's how I would do it if I was going to. Yeah. I, I think the DivX system is better at what it does. I still hate the entire idea of <laughs> a company telling me, Oh, you bought this movie? Okay, you can watch it for this long, but now you can't. Want to watch more? Give us money. Yeah, that would be really annoying. <laughs> and then the whole idea that they can just pack up and shut down, and now you're left with a machine that cost you extra that now doesn't do anything extra, and if you didn't get your discs refunded then you lost all that money on silver discs that you owned but didn't because remember the charge for upgrading you can request a refund you can request a refund but if you didn't like if mm. you either somehow missed the notifications that uh, divx was ending or something or for some reason didn't cancel or didn't request a refund so the $15 to upgrade to a silver disc was on top of the $4.49 of the initial purchase. So at that point, 
you're buying something worse than a DVD for probably the same price as a DVD. Oh, yeah, you're right. Another one of my questions is, so with DivX and FlexPlay, so DivX, the, the DVD doesn't disintegrate. It just sits there until you decide you want to rent it again. But I'm just trying to figure out what I would do if I actually used it. I think what would end up is I would just have a... A giant stack of them in one of my one of my rooms or something because I wouldn't really want to bother to return it but if I I don't know because yeah and like <laughs> and yeah like and what if you want to watch it again someday yeah you cause... don't want to pay the full 450 for the brand new disc yeah and let's play it just disintegrates and become waste so with DivX your concern is it taking over DVD and having all your information, and Flexplay was just garbage. Right? Hmm. Humanity is very hard to understand. Yeah, I'm not sure which one was for sure hated more. I, people really didn't like either one. Hmm. But I think DivX managed to get people riled up for a whole different set of reasons. I think Flexplay, hmm. mostly it was like, this is just a stupid, dumb, useless product that self-destructs after 48 hours and then it becomes trash. Yeah, that's what one of my friends had when I told her about Flexplay. I didn't have to tell her, I just mentioned it to her. She's like, oh, yeah, that was completely useless. <laughs> of course, not how she actually sounds. The thing with DivX, though, is that it's not just a disc that you can only watch for 48 hours. It's a disc that someone else controls mm -hmm. and it's the idea of the entire dvd or the entire home video market being kind of like controlled by one company with the power to enable and disable all your movies at will that it just sounds like netflix right except <laughs> everything's well, digital nowadays yeah except with netflix there's no expectation that you get to keep anything like mm, if you true. buy the divx disc and upgrade to silver you've paid for the movie you've mm -hmm. paid for the rights to view that movie as many times as you want yeah but then what if the company later decides well, you know, when we said unlimited, we didn't really mean it. And what we really meant was a uh, hundred times. And if you exceed that, then you have to upgrade to silver plus. Yeah, sure. Oh, that would probably make it more hated than, but no, it wouldn't make it more hated than flex play. <laughs> It'd be close. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I. Mm. We're just, this is just speculation at this point. Right. But from a technical viewpoint, I like DivX a lot more. Let me find the DivX logo. <laughs> There's also an um, encoding format called DivX, which is different. Really? So, yeah, so oh. I, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I didn't look into that at all, but all I know is that there's a, video encoding format which is also 
called DivX, and I don't know if it has anything to do with DivX discs, but it's different, and... DivX, the best way to watch movies at home. Sounds very similar to Flexplay. Mm. Yeah. I kind of just think Flexplay copied everything that DivX did. Oh, that's probably one of the elements as to why they're so hated. Because they just copied DivX for a lot of things. And, like, DivX didn't work. It went down in flames. It lost everyone who touched it millions of dollars. Well, but with FlexPlay, you don't have to worry about special players and renewing your rental because it disintegrates. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Just seems like after someone watches DivX go down in flames, you wouldn't think, hey, you know what? We should try that. But was slightly different. And, and watch it go down in flames. Again! <laughs> right. See that thing that didn't work? <laughs> we should probably copy that thing that didn't work, except we should make our things self-destruct after 48 hours. Mmm. Very smart. Um... I believe, I'm not a business expert, but I have taken some business classes, and I believe you're supposed to copy the businesses that didn't go bankrupt. Hmm, well, if I recall correctly, the founders of Flexplay both had a long list of PhDs in business and marketing or mm -hmm. something, so they must be right. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a PhD, so, yep, I'm not going to yeah. argue with that. Another thing I also won't argue about is all the new listeners tuning in. We appreciate your support, and will continue to give you ridiculous tech failures. On a less positive note... We host this podcast on SoundCloud, and have discovered that we are nearly to our limit for free storage. Continuing to use SoundCloud would be too expensive for us at this time, so after this episode, we will have to begin taking down older episodes to make room for new content. We are transitioning to a new hosting provider, and all episodes will be moved over. We will continue uploading to SoundCloud for a while. If you are subscribed on another platform such as iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play, the transition should be automatic and you shouldn't have to do anything. We'll keep you updated as things develop. We would greatly appreciate your support on Patreon, which will help us cover the cost of hosting. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.